Welcome to episode 135 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamio. And I'm Hilary Doherty. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we I don't doing? Know. We're just, we're broken. <laughs> <laughs> We you know, people. I thought of that several times this week that we are, I mean, we're not old, but look at what has happened to us the last we few are weeks. Not, look at us. Yeah, we're gorge. We're gorge, first of I all. I mean. Second of all, <laughs> uh, we had an odd pause meeting this week and you weren't there when I was the first one to like say, hey, what's going on with our podcast? And I was like, we've been kind of wonky lately. Like, you know, we recorded those two episodes so I could go to Boston. So we kind of felt like out of the loop yeah. there. Then we finally get back to record one and then Tina gets sick. So we couldn't, we had put a classic episode up and then we come back to record another one. Oh my God. And now <laughs> I have COVID, COVID. So oh wonderful. I got to tell you, I, I was fucking like, I was one of those, like, I don't have COVID. I've never had COVID, you know, I'm walking around like I've never had COVID. I'm so great. But Yeah. I think uh, I gotta tell you, I think it was roller skating. Oh, because I was at quite a few places last the week before, um, without a mask. And even in my head, I said to myself, "You're pushing it, girl." You know what I mean? Like when you're yeah. around a bunch of people c- quite a few times. And uh, I went to to skating by myself. Chelsea wasn't there last that week, so uh, then I went to the Dolphin Mixer on Friday. I went out to dinner after that. I went to walk for Hillary Cassell on Saturday morning and Saturday night. I, my eyes were like watering a lot. Uh-oh. I was like, what the hell is going on Sunday? I had a little bit of a headache, but by Monday after work, I was done like zonked out. Like I couldn't move. I was, uh, it's incredible. I, it was incredible. Uh, I asked my ex-husband was bringing something over for the kids. I'm like, can you bring me some tea? Like I was like, I'm out of my mind. And so Monday, Tuesday, so like Monday night, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, which was two days ago, was like the peak of delirium. I was so worried. I was out of my fucking mind. I, the only place I could act, because my room, the way that this house, my house is, the back of the house where my room is, is a flat roof. So the air conditioning really doesn't come in here the way that it should, like the rest of the house. So it's always kind of warm. Yeah, the room's always kind of warm during the summer. So I'm in here with the door closed. The kids are with me this week. They're testing negative. Thank and God. thank God. And I'm like, well, I got to isolate myself from them. And so this is the only place that I can, I can be. I was fucking dying. So I ended up going outside to the pool and I was just in the pool for days. Like, and then I have a lounge chair out there. I'm like laying under the tree in a lounge chair, talking like I'm mumbling to myself. And I was like, <laughs> I'm fucking dying. Like I'm going to die. Like I'm dying. You know? And I finally, Thursday, like morning, I was choking on this, like, you know, it's disgusting, but like choking up snot, like, ugh, like yeah. I'm choking. And my poor baby son, he comes in, he's like, what's for lunch? And I was like, that's it. Like, I can't do this. Like I had to call my ex-husband and I'm like, please pick them up, take them to dinner, get them out of the house. Like I can't try and take care of them and have oh COVID. It's impossible. Like, how did people do this in the beginning of COVID? Oh my God. When, yeah, when it was like strict isolation. Yeah, dude. 
So, uh, so that was a big help. So I woke up yesterday morning, Friday morning, and it felt like 80% better. I couldn't believe what a difference it was like. I had to hit that wall before everything just started changing. So I know. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you were saying to me, like, let's not record, let's put something else up. And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I I just really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then yesterday I was like, oh, I think I can pull this shit together. Look at this. I pulled this together. I told Tina, I'm like, I am sweating. I'm sweating through this. So like, we are going to fucking put this podcast out. I don't give a COVID. We're doing it. Yeah. Fuck you. COVID. (laughs) I mean, this podcast was born in COVID basically. I mean, it, remember it was, we started was. in January and COVID hit in March and I the mean, world was should... like, fuck, what are we doing? Oh my God. I mean, it was a kind of good time to do it. I feel like I'm in the shadows, but no, that's look, okay. Look at you. You look fabulous. I mean, bitch, we're pulling through. We're healthy, honey. We're going to pull no. through this shit and you're yes. doing better, right? Oh my God. Good. I am doing so much to bet. Like I, yesterday was the first day I felt like myself and my husband was like, oh, you're like bitching at me. So <laughs> I know, guess everything's okay. Everything's back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt yesterday. I ate uh, toast. I sent you a picture. I was eating, drinking tea and eating it was uh, so toast. Cute. And I was like, oh my God. Cause part of it is like, you don't want to eat, but you have to eat something because of, yeah. you need a strength. You need energy. And I was just not, I could and not the drinking like, ugh. yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Well, you know. look really good. Girl, it's makeup, honey. She always <laughs> helps me out. She has always helped me out. I have a couple of things to say about last week's episode, though. Like, I was, oh. maybe I had COVID then because, <laughs> <laughs> well, I must have. I must I have. I was cracking up when I was editing. Dude, I fucked up so many fucking things. You did? It's, yeah. I Speak about Mia Culpa. I've got Mia Culpa's for last week. Here are my Mia Culpa's. One, I said Phil Leotardo was like, let's go against New York. Phil Leotardo on The Sopranos is New York. Yeah. What was I thinking? Wait, what did you say? I said, I I said, that's what made, I said, the whole Vito's gay situation is what Phil Leotardo was like, let's go after New York. And I met New Jersey. Of course he was going to go after New Jersey. I thought you were saying like he wanted to strengthen New York. I I, No, no, no. I I meant the other way around. Like, let's go after, what the fuck? Then I said that Biden was friends with, Jesse Helms and Thoroughgood Marshall. And I was like, Thoroughgood Marshall, of course I mean Strom Thurmond. Oh, yeah. Strom, good old Strom Thurmond, which was one of my favorite episodes, by the way, <laughs> with his little fucking claw that he did. Oh my God. Elevators. Strom Thurmond. And then I said, which maybe I was telling, maybe I had like a, a crystal ball, but I said that the PACT Act had passed, which is the one that protects these veterans with health care. That John Stewart. Oh no, I thought um, that you were saying it didn't pass. I said let's I, at one point I said, let's be honest, it's passed the House and it's passed the Senate. That's not true. Now it has. Now yeah. it has passed. In the last week, it has passed the Senate. What is wrong with me? Listen. What is it? It's COVID we brain. Are, it's COVID brain. And we're doing the best we can. Okay. Yeah, yeah everybody get off Listen. my fucking back, all right? Yes. Especially oh. you guys in Germany. Oh, Germany, yeah. And it's Ireland is back large... up in numbers. What is oh. I think I know who somebody is in Ireland. What? Is so, it Bono? I wish. <laughs> but also it's awesome. One of Kate's sisters, our friend Kate, oh. lives in Ireland. And when she came down to visit her parents recently, I stopped by the parents' apartment to drop something off for them. And the sister was downstairs to get it. And I said, she, I go, here you go. And I was talking to her and she goes, 
I go, it's so nice to meet you. Cause we've always see a Heather who's Kate's other sister. Yeah. I, I said, it's so nice to meet you. You know, I never get to see you cause you live in Ireland. And she's like, it's really bizarre to meet you. And I was like, she listens no. to the fucking podcast. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. I Isn't love it. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Amazing. Hi. I'm so excited. I, mean, I know. I love that. Yeah. So she's one of a lot of people who listen in Ireland. Good. And we have so many in Germany. I wish I wanted to visit Germany. Give me a reason. Come invite me over. Like, I'd love to come yeah. and say hi. What's up? Please. We're going to need anywhere. a place to go when yeah. DeSantis becomes president, everybody. So help us out. Things have been so... Girl. The education bills alone. I mean, it's just frightening. Well, the Department of Health held that meeting yesterday in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, they, to- they, they, uh, did you see that it. they moved forward? Yeah. It's to stop transgender uh, health care, basically, for for people. It's like the their policies. Yeah. And a, t- a ton of activists, a lot of people that we know were there at the meeting trying to give attention. A lot of lawmakers from around the state came down. I saw Anna Eskamani was there yeah. trying to draw attention to this, and they don't give a fuck. They don't care. And even some of the people who were speaking at the meeting to try to give their comments, they didn't. they didn't care. This is a death sentence for people. If yeah. people aren't allowed to get the the, the health care they the need, the gender affirming care that they need, it's it's they will commit suicide. Like you're uh, you're sentencing people to death. What's the point in that? I don't understand what what why would you want to do that? It's control, and and you know what? It's really like they they. I don't even think they care. It's just again for him to get elected. You know, like yeah. th- There's no people don't care about this. Mm-mm. People don't care about this. It's really upsetting. And and my husband and I were talking and I was like, you know, is it time to like seriously consider leaving the state? Well, also because we don't know when one of those things is going to affect us. Right. Let's say it's not transgender. Let's say it's something else. Let's say it is abortion. abortion. Let's say it's gay rights. Let's say like whatever it is. One of these things eventually is going to affect us, all of us. And so why aren't we standing up for everybody? It's unbelievable. Well, we are trying to stand up and it's, it's, it feels like it's going nowhere. It's not enough people. But Kansas, let's talk about Kansas, girl. That was freaking amazing. That was amazing. It's a, but it's big. I mean, it, sh- it also shouldn't be a surprise. We know the majority of Americans are pro-abortion. They're for legal, yeah. keeping abortion legal. And the fact that it was Kansas, it's a red state, it's in the middle of the country, should really be a red flag to these fucking Republicans that this is not an issue you should be fucking with. It's not an issue you should be fucking with. And I did retweet something that I thought was really, really interesting that I think we should all try to focus on, especially here in Florida. And it's, let's look at the ads that they were running in Kansas. And it was, some of them mentioned abortion, some of them didn't. Some of them were like doctors saying, hey, this is your private situation. Or people saying, this is something they should, about privacy about uh, making your own the healthcare messaging. decisions, about the, the government messaging. staying out of your doctor's office. Like it is really about focusing on that issue to get all the other side to vote in the same way. So I love they saying have to abortion, do, like, but what we should they also- did for um, in Florida for the um, returning citizens bill. Yeah. Where they had, it was like vetted and vetted where they did like sample phone calls and like what was the best wording that would yep. appeal to all people what are words that like don't appeal to people and doing those um 
like research groups, whatever they call them, yeah. like to test out the messaging. Yeah. They, that, that's what needs to be done. Like they really need to sit down and think of what is the best way to frame things that will get through to an independent or a Republican. Yeah. That's the only way that we can win. And I think the privacy thing is a huge thing because Absolutely. You know, like the people don't want government in their business. So who does? They- I mean, it's so, it's so fucking true. And that's a big part of being a Republican is small government, right? Keep the government out of your private life. Keep the government out of your bedroom. Meanwhile, this, this Republican party, I don't understand. I don't oh, get yeah. it. No sex ed. Like mm, it's just girl. It's ridiculous. Yeah. One day, one day we'll get it all back. I don't know when though. Well, maybe Nikki can win. Hi. Ugh. I would love that. A fucking DeSantis. Well, are you ready? Yes. Okay, I'm first. Now listen. Uh, listen. <gasps> this story is so silly. But good. I thought it was a good story. And I think that there's one aspect that's kind of political, but I don't know. Who cares? We can do what we <laughs> want. Okay. You always this is say our that. show. All right, let me open this up <laughs> a little bit. Here we go. Okay. I'm gonna talk about the Cherry Sisters. Have you ever heard of the Cherry Sisters? No. Okay. <laughs> Have I? I don't know. I, I love the name already. Okay. Listen, I've been it watching. It feels very nineteen fifties. I've been watching a lot of um, uh, Drunk History. You know the comedy oh, central I love show. That oh, show. Oh my god! Yeah, getting... uh, you know what's her face was on that Georgia Hardstar. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she did one. She did an episode. I love it, and I get a lot of. Uh, I get some good stories off of there. So this is from uh, Drunk History. And okay, so the Cherry sisters were the daughters of Thomas and Laura Cherry. The family was composed of eight children, Ella, Elizabeth, Addie, Effie, Jesse, and their brother, Nathan, and two additional siblings who died at young ages. Ella, the oldest, was born in the early 1850s in Massachusetts, but the remainder of the children were born in Iowa and were raised on a farm in Lynn County. I mean, not for nothing. Mm-hmm. You have a farm. Okay. You need eight kids. Maybe you got you to get some people to work on that farm. But I mean, is this not a great reason for birth control? Hello. You're pushing eight babies out of your body. Oh Jesus. Mm. How do you I even. Wonder if there's ever a discussion from the woman, like, listen, I want to hump I, too, I but I cannot have another baby in me. Like, yeah. is there ever a time where she's like, ixnay, I can't do it. I, I don't know. Or is that not allowed? <laughs> I mean, that alone would be like a get away from me. I know. Mm. I'd be hiding yeah. from that motherfucker. <laughs> Maybe I'd sleep in a tent in the backyard. I don't know. So the Cherry Sisters vaudeville act. They were a vaudeville act. Oh, it was for, yes. It was for, formed in the early 1890s after the death of their parents and the disappearance of their older brother, Nathan. So the brother is the only it's the only brother he fucking takes off. He's like, peace out. He's like, I'm not working this farm. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> So originally all five sisters were involved in the act. However, the eldest Ella retired from the stage before 1896, leaving her siblings to continue the act as a quartet. So Addie, Addie Cherry described the Cherry sisters work as quote concerts and literary entertainments. End quote. <gasps> oh, this sounds right up my alley. Oh, you're going to love it. So <laughs> it was titled something good, something sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, like the that, theater. That's like, the mass, the theater. Yeah, mass. Yeah. <laughs> Their show featured songs, dances, skits, morality plays, and essays authored and performed by the sisters. 
Some of their oh, songs. Oh, they wrote their own stuff? Honey. This is amazing. Oh, it's, it's amazing. So, <laughs> some of their songs featured new lyrics set to traditional standards. Others were completely originally original compositions. And musical accompaniment was provided for some numbers by Elizabeth and Jesse, who played piano and the bass drum. The material had strong patriotic and religious themes. In one scene, Jesse was suspended from a cross in an imitation of the crucifixion. Wow. So that's, that's, they're a lot of fun. This yeah, fun. that's a, what do you call that? Method acting. Oh, yeah. Right? Or something. <laughs> the yeah. act was received politely by the sisters, neighbors, and Marion. But when it went on the road, it received overwhelmingly negative responses from the audiences to which it played. Spectators routinely laughed heckled, catcalled, booed, and threw vegetables at the sisters throughout their entire performance. I love that. They're like throwing tomatoes. Yeah. In several (laughs) instances, the audience violence reached dangerous proportions. In one incident in Dubuque, a fire extinguisher sprayed directly into one of the sisters' faces. No. the The show was stopped by the local marshals to prevent further harm. So it's like, a really bad show. It's really, really bad. Like nobody likes it. They can't sing. It's terrible. It's not funny. And so they're going for these audiences and they're like putting the show on. And they think that they're good because they did it in their little small town. Yes. People and everybody's like, like oh, okay, good for you. Girls, yeah. Girls. And now they're trying to make money. Yeah. Eventually the sisters performed behind a wire mesh curtain to avoid being struck. Why did they keep performing? <laughs> <laughs> they had no other who's, way to make money. Who's I think. buying tickets? They're buying tickets just to throw tomatoes at them. Like, well, I think it's part of like a show. So like, they perform and then somebody else performs, right? So maybe they're right. there to see the other person, but then uh, this first act comes on and they're like, people are like, what the fuck? who's hiring them? Like, who's like, wait a minute. These girls keep getting tomatoes thrown at them. Yeah. Let's hire them. Yeah. Well, eventually maybe it's that part of the thing. thing. Maybe people yeah. like to throw the tomato. I think eventually it becomes a thing where they're just like, let's go. Let's put the worst show on ever. <laughs> That's what it's, they're known as being like the worst vaudeville act ever in history. Wow. Yeah. Eventually. Well, I mean, at least they're remembered for something. That's true. Eventually, the sisters performed behind a wire mesh curtain to avoid being struck by projectiles from the audience, although they would later deny that this has ever been necessary. In 1896, the Cherry Sisters were brought to Broadway by impresario Willie Hammerstein in an attempt to attract attention to his floundering new venue, the Olympia Music Hall. His rationale, as given in an interview, was, quote, I've been putting on the best talent and it hasn't gone over. I'm trying for the worst, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the wow. theory was sound something good something sad saved hammerstein from bankruptcy only 12 days after opening on november 16th and ran for six weeks drawing audiences who were curious to see the act the new york times referred to as quote four freaks from iowa <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the new york times the new york times yeah Tina. you know it's bad if that's what they're doing holy shit the Times, in their assessment of the sisters, considered the act, quote, more pity- pitiable than amusing, end quote, and noted, quote, the effects of poverty, ignorance, and isolation are much the same all over the world. And the Cherry Sisters exhibited every one of them with a pathetic frankness that left no question as to their, as to their status of their character, end quote. Oh, no. Isn't that awful? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That so is sad. so funny. The sisters were known for their rigid moral standpoints, both on stage and off. While living in New York during their run at the Olympia, they refused all invitations to parties 
and claimed they would not visit Coney Island because they did not want to see women in bathing costumes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. okay. So then there's this lawsuit, which becomes like kind of a big deal in our history. So the Sherry Sisters Act was met with ridicule by the local press as well as audiences. In 1930, Time Magazine noted, quote, in every town that the Cherry Sisters played, it was an invariable custom for the editor of the local paper to review their act with a column and a half of humor, satire, parody, and biting sarcasm, end quote. In January 1893, Fred P. Davis, the city editor of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, reviewed their performance as Green's op- at Green's Opera House, noting, quote, their knowledge of the stage is worse than none at all, end quote. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so bad. I mean, it's so bad. But they keep getting paid. So, yeah. like, well, they, at that's the why end it, of the day, like, whatever you guys I, all hate. Maybe me, they can't read money. the reviews. Like, maybe they can't read. I don't but know. But they're writing plays. Yeah. Oh, oh that's that's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. Or unless they're just like making up the play. You know what I mean? Who knows? Because yeah, it's a lack of education. Yeah. Maybe it's just they're so rudimentary. I mean, but anybody knows freak. You know, freaks from Iowa. Like, yeah. Oh, my God, Tina. The sisters demanded a retraction and the Gazette complied, allowing them to write it themselves. The Cherry sisters did not consider the retraction to be sufficient and accused Davis of libel. The complaint resulted in a lighthearted mock trial on stage at a Cherry sisters performance in March 1893. In 1898, the Audible Chronicle printed an extremely negative review of the Cherry sisters act titled, quote, the cherries were here, end quote. Critic and newspaper editor Billy Billy Hamilton's piece described the sisters as being, quote, this is fucking crazy, all right? He said, quote, three creatures surpassing the witches in Macbeth in general hideousness, end quote. Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty pretty hideous. Those witches are, they're known for just Mm -hmm. being like ugly, disgusting. Yeah. And he said, quote, the mouths of their rancid features opened like caverns and sounds like the wailings of damned souls issued therefrom. Oh, Oh my God. Could you imagine someone wrote that about this podcast? I'd be like, Tina, honey, we got to pack it up. We ain't good. We're not doing a good job here. Well, but then there's so many people who are mean, you know. But if it's continuous, if it's continuous, then we got to be like, what if somebody invited us somewhere as a joke and we didn't yeah. know this is awful and sad. No, it's mean. It's mean. But it's mean. I mean, but also th- there's no self, there's no self-reflection. There's no. no, you know, ability to see. I mean, how many times we, we finish these, we record, we finish, we start <laughs> to edit and Tina's fucking sends me messages. Oh my God. This is so fucking funny. It's actually a clip of us, of us. Yeah. And I say the same thing, like, this shit is so fucking funny. And we always go, why aren't we famous? We're yeah, so fucking come funny. on. Hello <laughs> again. Here we are. Hi. <laughs> the article was later reprinted in other newspapers around the state, including the Des Moines uh, leader. In response, the Cherry Sisters sued the Chronicle and the leader for $15,000, claiming that the unflattering descriptions of their, pers- or their, of their physical appearance presented in the article constituted acts of false and malicious libel. The Audible Chronicle kept an ongoing log of the progress of the proceedings, which included a courtroom performance by the sisters again. And uh, on April 27, 1899, the Polk County Court decided in the newspaper's favor in 1899, and the sisters appealed to the Iowa Supreme Court. 
I mean, court- but, but newspapers are allowed to review. They don't have to say your work is good. They can say, I mean, I guess, are they, or, or is it more about like the personal attacks? Yes. About- that's what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah. But the judge had them come and perform in the courtroom so he could see what was going on, which was funny. I'm sure they were all laughing while they were that's up there. So weird. It's fucking awful. I, would court- to, I wish this was recorded though. Cause I would love to see. Oh my God. I would love to see the shenanigans how bad it was yeah uh they appealed to the iowa supreme court the court upheld the verdict stating in their may 28 1901 decision quote the editor of a newspaper has the right if not the duty of publishing for the information of the public fair and responsible comments however severe in terms upon anything which is made by its owner a subject of public exhibition as upon any other matter of public interest of privileged communication for which no action will lie without proof of actual malice Surely, if one makes himself ridiculous in his public performances, he may be ridiculed by those whose duty of right it is to inform the public regarding the character of the performance, end quote. I mean, you put on a show. Yeah. And if it sucks, it sucks. Like, if you're ridiculous, you're ridiculous. If yeah. you're, you know, um, that that wonderful quote that you said about when they open their mouths, like, all oh, how horrible yeah. everything that comes out. But if that's what it is, yeah, that's what it is. So Cherry versus Des Moines Leader is a considered to be a landmark decision confirming the right to fair comment and critical analysis in the press and is still frequently held up as a precedent precedent oh. in the contemporary court cases. So later in life, after Jesse died from typhoid in 1903, the sisters retired for a short period. However, Addie and Effie continued to perform until the late 1930s. Their Jesus. final appearance is taking place in their hometown of Cedar Rapids in April 1938. In 1924 and 26th, Effie ran for mayor of Cedar Rapids on a reform platform, but was defeated both times. Oh, so she was a political candidate. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. That's politics. That is politics. I cannot believe. Yeah. That. Well, and the thing about that court case is interesting because like when we say stuff about politicians and when we, Mm. you know, like that's like the thing that's protected because you are a public figure. Right. Um, it's different than if you're just talking about Joe Schmo down the street, like right. they have put themselves in the public sphere. So that's like actually a really important mm-hmm. law to uphold. Cause imagine now if that wasn't permitted, Yeah, you know, like, and then you have big powerhouse politicians and actors and whoever like or being Trump. able to, you know, use their money yeah. to make sure people don't say bad shit about them. Right. That was a great story. Yay, Cherry Sisters. (laughs) Hey, it's Dalton. And Sam. We want to tell you about our podcast called Big Ten Plus Four. Are you a college football fan who doesn't want to always be talking about the SEC? Are you a college basketball fan who's tired of hearing how the Big Ten doesn't win in the big dance? Then we're the show for you. Check us out each week on the Odd Pods Media Network. We bring you college sports with a Big Ten flavor. Big 10 plus four college sports with Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. All right, girl. I'm going to bring it down a little bit. Oh, God damn it. Tina always. What do you mean a bit? You always do this. I know. I'm sorry. It's well, this story. So this is funny because like this person isn't necessarily a politician, but he is like, 
you know, an activist and a fundraiser in political circles. Okay. So to me, that's like the world of politics. Let's go. It was like, do yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So today mm. I'm going to tell you the story of former GOP activist and fundraiser, Gregory Nathan Peterson. Okay. Gregory Nathan Peterson made a name for himself as a prominent Utah GOP fundraiser. But when he's accused of sex, sexual assault, he takes matters into his own hands. Mm-mm. All right. So our story takes place in Utah. So um, really like um, he was Mormon, part of like the LDS. And, um, but, you know, that's like really, really prominent religion in Utah. Yeah. And um, I don't have a lot of background. He was born in Nebraska and he did like a lot of Mormons do like mission trips. Mm. Like that's part of like being a Mormon. They have to go on a mission trip. And he did that like many other Mormons had done. And he went to Venezuela for his mission trip. He studied at BYU, like a lot of Mormons do, yeah. which is like, that's the huge university out there. And that's where he earned a BA in international studies. And then he got his MBA in finance and entrepreneurship. He was a CPA. Um, really well off. And he owned like a bunch of businesses that sort of gained him some wealth. And his main, um, you know, company when all this was happening was Peterson Wealth Management. And that Mm. was like an online, like trading website for like, I guess, stocks, but I don't know. Trading. That's all I know. To the moon. (laughs) I have no idea. Um, He was married in 2004, Mm -hmm. um, but then he was divorced two years later. They reconciled and divorced for good, like in 2009. And the Deseret News reported that he was, you know, that he was successful. He had this big five bedroom, five bath cabin in Herber City, Utah. And the article also noted, like when he would sign letters to people, he would sign it future president of the United States. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like this is this guy. Yeah. And it seemed like a really far cry from his Nebraska upbringing, where um, a former classmate told the Deseret News that. Peterson used to wear like hand-me-down clothes mm. and his family didn't have much money. And then he gets all this success and he's sort of living like, you know, this successful businessman yeah. um, lifestyle in Utah. And that same classmate, uh, Gary Wilson said, Peterson quote, always wanted to be the popular kid in school. He always tried to be more important than he really was. Jesus. And then like seeing the way he signs, like his letters, like yeah. it kind of all sort of pulls together. I wish I knew what that was like. I have no idea. I have no idea what it's like to think that like highly, highly of yourself, yeah. to have that or much like, confidence in yourself. Like what the like, fuck? It's, I feel like it's beyond confidence. Like it's like, what, what are you doing? It's weird. He's making money. Like he's successful. Yeah, yeah he's it, successful. Maybe at some level it's working. Yeah. You know? So the article noted that friends from his childhood said, you know, yeah, he was like kind of this, you know, a guy that really wanted to be be popular and like get people to like him. But at the same time, he had this dark streak to him. Oh boy. And according to desert news, I got a lot of this from this, a couple desert news articles, a former employee and housemate. So Peterson um, went to BYU, you know, he had his, his BA, his um, MBA or whatever. And then he started that business and he through BYU, like did this internship program, so you could intern for his company. And so this person mm. that was interning at the company, like also stayed at his house. Oh, and God. so that, and there were a lot of international students. So that student filed a complaint to through BYU about his like time with Peterson. And he wrote, he's going to withhold my retainer. If I don't do what he tells me to do, 
when he tells me to do it, or if I want to quit SATCOM, or if I want to leave the cabin. With stuff like that being held over my head, I didn't think I had a way to get out of the situation, and I didn't dare say anything to anyone at BYU for fear of consequences. So he was like getting these international students to come, but then he would like try to like control what they did because he was like this apparently like a very controlling guy. And if you're like an international student, then you're like, oh, I'm going to lose my stay, right? This is fucking awful. It was, and, and another student claimed, that is the reason why he hires all international people so he can exploit them. He orders oh as God. a dictator and as if we are slaves. Oh so my that's God. not even like the muckiness, like, but that kind of shows like yeah. what kind of guy he was. And I hope former, they stopped letting him do that. Like he shouldn't have. Yeah, they end house. up. Yes, they end up um, like breaking that agreement mm. with him after like a few complaints came in. And a former partner told Desert News that Peterson went from, quote, zero to freak show in 60 seconds. And many portrayed him <laughs> as, quote, aggressive, arrogant, and has a short fuse. So he's, like, quick to anger, really arrogant, like, wants everything his way kind of guy. Zero to freak show. Mm, yeah. I wish someone would describe yeah. me like that. Woo! Yeah, hot. <laughs> so he was... um also, so the, the political connection is he was known in Utah Republican circles as like this big time fundraiser. Mm. And in 2010, he was like the co-chair of um, this organization of the Rocky Mountain Conservatives Convention and Barbecue. And this was like this annual event that happened. And he referred to it as, quote, the CPAC of the West. Like mm. it's the big fundraiser and it happened at his home and like He's schmoozing like there's pictures of him with all these people. He hosted several politicians like Orrin Hatch, Gary Herbert, Jason Chavez, Mia Love and more. The Salt Lake Tribune also said that Peterson considered himself, quote, a close and personal friend of the Romney family. (laughs) And for about three years prior to the allegations, you know, he was doing all of these fundraiser events. And he even was an event chair for like a Romney campaign event which he gave a lot of money to. And so there's pictures of him with like Romney's kids and like, he's like in it. Right. Yeah. So major incident, I need to say allegedly. Oh, okay. Because um, there never ends up being a trial. So from several accounts that I read, Peterson allegedly met women on um, Mormon dating sites. And one site was LDS singles. And according to the New York Times, Peterson allegedly acted in some predatory ways beginning in 2011. So four women came out at first, and I'm going to kind of give a brief uh, overview of each incident, which are strikingly similar to one another. So in the first woman in March of 2011, he meets this woman at an LDS event. He invites her to watch a movie back at his place, and he threatens her with a gun and then sexually assaults her. Jesus. Yeah. He's like, yeah, like, and you know, like, again, these are like really religious people and, um, like rapes her rapes her. Yeah. Jesus. So he has, um, this profile of, you know, I'm as an upstanding Mormon and all of that. So they kind of believe that he, and you know, he's like in these circles. So like he, you know, they, they think that he is like a good catch kind of guy. Of course. And then in July of 2011, he met up with a woman and he took her on a movie date. And then after the movie, he's like, hey, let's go back to dinner at my place. And then he um, 
sexually assaulted her. He threatened to have her deported because she was on a uh, like visa. Oh. And then he raped her again for a two day period. Jesus. He like brought her to his mother's place and like basically kidnapped her and made her stay there for two days, threatening to like have her thrown out of the country if like she didn't comply. Oh my God. Wanted. And then um, the third woman in December, 2011, he, this is a woman he met on that LDS dating site. Um, and he shows up at her house, like just pushes through the door and assaults her. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah. And then in April 2010 or 2012, he meets a woman again on an LDS dating site in the same stitch as like the previous women, pushes her down, tries to attack her, but she manages to escape him. And oh like, my God, takes off. Another woman came forward, but she was not included at first because there was a lack of evidence. And then in August of 2012, another woman comes forward and she has a story from 2010. So like prior oh to the, even that first one and the Salt Lake Tribune reported that she claimed that he took her to his place for lunch and then said like, let's go to a movie. And she was like, Hey, I can't do that. She was like a divorcee. And she's like, I got to go get my kid from school. He starts kissing her. He's exposing himself. And she happened to be carrying a gun. And she was like, like showed the gun and was like, you got to let me out of here. She said, quote, she told him he needed to take her home or she would start walking. And so like he, you know, um, with the weapon brandished, he like took her. Oh my God. New York daily news, not the best reputable source here, but other sources confirm this. Uh, The source said that two of the victims said that he would make them watch big love on HBO. Do you remember that show? I I fucking loved that show. So good. Bill but Paxton. he would make them watch Big Love and ask them if he if they wanted to be one of his wives oh, and then God. would assault them. Ew. And one of the women testified that he said, quote, tell me you'd be my wife. Tell me you'd want to be my wife. Tell me you'd want to be one of my wives. So his his yeah. fucking this is so weird. His kink. Yeah. Is Mormon like, wives. Like, yeah, he wants the polygamy. Someone, yeah, wants, that's his yeah. kink. Mm hmm. That is yeah. the weirdest thing I've ever heard. That is so, so weird. Isn't that weird? Like so it's weird. Bizarro. So still want more women come forward, but the Wasatch County attorney, Scott Sweat said, um, quote, we're not willing to rule out further charges, but we're not ready to proceed on anything else yet at this time. So they're like, we're, we're kind of going to handle like what we have right now. And then I guess oh my God, what happens. So the charges, according to multiple sources, uh, he faced 23 felony charges of various counts, seven counts of object rape, three counts of rape, two counts aggravated kidnapping, one count forcible sexual abuse, nine counts of forcible sexual abuse, one count third degree burglary, one count assault, and one count sexual battery. He was placed, so I saw in various accounts, a lot of them said, bail. And then I saw one article that said it was a $2 million bail. So I'm not sure which one it ended up being, but he was placed on this really high bail and he was released and had to enter a plea by August of 2012. His lawyer, Cara Tangaro said at the time, quote, our client is maintaining that nothing illegal has happened, but the New York times reported that the County attorney, um, Basically, like when the first woman came forward, they didn't put any charges because they're like, this is sort of like a he said, she said situation. There's like one person, he's this prominent guy. 
So he stated, quote, these are difficult crimes to put together and difficult crimes to prosecute. When you look at them in isolation, sometimes you have nothing more than allegations of one person against another person. So, and it's hard too, because a lot of times they go unreported, but then when more women came forward and they're like, here's a pattern, they were then able to like, take the ones that showed this similar pattern to put it together as now we have a case that we can put against him. Okay. That's how they, they did it. It demonstrated that pattern of behavior. Yeah. And Salt Lake city prosecutor, Joseph Hill told the judge in the case, quote, he's shown a complete lack of ability to control his sexual urges. So. Wow. Sentencing court case, nothing ends up happening. So (laughs) I'm going to give a little trigger warning here. Unfortunately, while out on bail, they lost contact with Peterson's ankle monitor. What? Yeah. So two bail bondsmen are like, we got to go head to the cabin and they find him dead. (gasps) And he had committed suicide in his place. He was found with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head and he left behind a note. So the note basically said that this was all conspiracy against him. Oh, of course. And that it was, and that it was quote, a case about regret, not rape. And he also wrote, quote, you have the blood of an innocent man (gasps) on your hands. What a fucking prick. Yeah. What a prick. So basically trying to have the last word as if he's the fucking victim here. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting because of the whole like Mormon piece of this, he believed that like the maker, you know, like that he would be better off in heaven with the maker. Like, and he knows like that he's innocent and he will not be condemned by a judge. Right. Like he'll just, you know, take this route. So some points of interest because there wasn't any trial, but again, like we're saying allegedly here, but the DA's office said they were moving forward because they felt like there was enough est- uh, evidence and testimony against him. Like they had it, they had it. And another thing that I found interesting is the place where he ended his life. Like that's where he would take the women is like that oh. cabin that where we'd have his fundraisers and all that, like is where he did that. And of course, um, God, one of the favorite things of this is when that scandal and the charges hit the Republican chairman of Utah at the time, Thomas Wright said that Peterson never held any leadership role. And there's all these pictures of him schmoozing with the Utah GOP. Like folks knew him. He was at a co-event chair. He was wow. a, a co-chair on the Romney thing. Um, he was definitely involved, but um the, all these articles are saying like politicians were like, what, who, yeah. I don't know him. Yeah. What? Yeah. Who's that guy? Yeah. Even Mitt Romney was like, Oh no, I, I, I don't know him. There's pictures of him, him with like Romney's kids. And he's like, yeah, I don't know this guy. Wow. So they're like, bye. Oh my God. Um, another thing I found Politics interesting. Is rough, dude. It's, it's rough. rough. Yeah. yeah. They don't, they don't care. Mm-hmm. But another thing I found interesting from East Idaho news was that this guy, Brendan Beckman, who used to work for Peterson, Mm-hmm. said that he warned politicians prior to all this stuff coming out, warned politicians to stay away from Peterson because there were rumors swirling around about him and his, quote, improper conduct. Mm. Months before, they're like, um, get away. And another conservative activist, Darcy Van Orden, said, quote, I believe in innocent until proven guilty, but having talked to several people and heard a lot of allegations about this for basically like six months, 
I was kind of waiting to see how this thing played itself out. Like, so they knew, like people were talking, like we've seen this in other stories where like, you know, uh, like we covered the one story where they're like, don't ever stay alone in the room with him. Like, yeah. It, people know. Oh my and God. Here's a, uh, poor here's woman. something kind of funny. His online profile name was odds are good, but goods are odd. <laughs> and he noted that he attended church regularly and he wrote, quote, I have open heart to all situations and circumstances, circumstances, so long as you want to have a family and bring that family back to God. So like, that's part of that whole manipulation of like, I'm this upstanding LDS. Yeah. Yeah. And if a woman reads that, oh, he wants to be, have a family. He wants to be married. And then she gets there and he's raping her. Yeah. What a fucking monster. Monster. So the other thing that I thought was a little shocking is that in his suicide note, he asked his family and supporters to file a wrongful death suit to quote, fully expose this tragic and motivated murder. So he looked at this as like, you guys are murdering me. Like, even though he, he took his own life. He's a sociopath. Yeah. So yeah, he saw it as like the state, the media, these women, like forcing nothing's his fault. Yeah. Nothing is his fault. Even taking his own life. It's not on him. Can you imagine yeah. And the what most lunatic, lunatic. And the most interesting little tidbit was that Peterson's father, his own father was in jail from 2000 for assaulting a child. <gasps> he was up for appeal in 2014. I don't know if that went through. If it didn't go through, he would be in jail to uh, December, 2024. So even, so who knows like what was going on there? What was yeah. going on, Dang. You know? So that's the story of the alleged. Oh, Tina. Assaulter, fundraiser, GOP golden boy, Greg Peterson. Wow. Good one. When you said there wasn't any trial, I thought maybe they couldn't get the evidence or whatever. I had no, I did not see that coming. Yeah, I I I didn't either. Like when I saw I was like, oh, that's terrible. But you know, but the the letter, so the letter is through three or four pages long handwritten. Oh my God. And I have it in our source notes. And I have for like one of our pictures this week is one of them. But like, I mean, he, he talks about like um, the woman um, with the visa. He's like, it's just, she wanted her green card kind of thing. Like, yeah. Something wrong with this guy. Yeah. So what are you going to be up to the next couple of days? Just you're looking at it. Although it's going to be on my bed, which is right there like this. It's hard to fall asleep at night, but once I fall asleep, ooh, I'm out. I am out. I cannot. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It was hard to get up this morning. And then I was like racing to get everything up and, <sighs> and ready. And I was like sweating. And I came onto the <laughs> Zoom and I was like, girl, I'm sweaty. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm so sweaty. Uh, but uh, I feel like we did good here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Summer is over. So next week I'll be. Oh, yeah. Oh, back at vacay, school. Vacay, vacay. Oh, I'm going to hit a reset. Yeah. Oh, my I want to be on forever vacay. Oh, does that sound so nice? How do oh we make God. that happen? That's what I'm saying. And, and we say this all the time, but with these damn politicians who are 80 years old, it's like, don't you want to just do nothing? I know. It's ridiculous. Oh, I watched The Bear. That's oh. something I want to talk about. I finally <sighs> binged The Bear. Tina, what a fucking show. Oh, what it's beautiful. Show. It's yeah. so beautiful. It's I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. I'm going to watch it again too. Cause I loved it. And I want to like, I, I want to get all the things that like I may have missed, yes. you know, the yep. first go round. So, so good. 
so fucking good. And that guy, Jeremy, I think it's Jeremy Allen White. He is so incredible who plays a bear. Yeah. He's so good. Oh my God. I um, mean, the part where oh, the, I think you and Alfredo just... and I were talking about the part where the Xanax goes into the ecto. Oh my God. That shit was so <laughs> fucking funny. I That was the funniest. was dying. Because I was like, oh no, oh no. Like something's going to happen to the kids. But I love that they didn't make it like, you know. Yeah traumatic yeah, yeah 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 yeah. you know what i mean because i was like is, is a kid gonna like od or something yeah. and then, they and then one guy was like i'm good and they're all passed yeah. out in the lawn <laughs> like, and i'm like i'm good i'm good oh it's my like God. really this is not a bad idea for a kid <laughs> <laughs> get him knocked out yeah it was so good he is such oh. a great actor it's such a complicated oh my family God. and complicated group of people oh my god and at the end like oh like the letter yes yeah I'm like I got it that's what I'm making I gotta go buy I gotta go buy those tomatoes yeah I think they sell them at Publix now I'm (sighs) like I need to buy those tomatoes when I make sauce nuts when he said let it rip I was like oh my god God. this is so good I just wanted to I I was like crying like it was so good and when the guy yeah when he's at the um the the Al-Anon meeting yeah oh and he just like has that beautiful monologue and it like just kind of pans in it's so good it was really how do actors do that how do they get into that and can remember all of those lines number one number two like deliver in a way that it's like really that happening emotion. to them it's yeah. so insane and I know like the 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 cousin who's not the cousin Ugh. but that, you know the friend like I kind of, I kind I, I mean, I mean, he, you know, the type of guy he is like, he's just a jerk, yeah, you know? Yeah. But you know, he was really suffering. I mean, I think he yeah. really, really suffered this loss, Yeah. you know? And, yeah. and I can imagine like, this is like your show, like you and your bestie. And like, now this other person's come in, you know, like it's the I guy who it. played I the brother it. who died. Um, he's John such a Barathol. good actor. Oh, He's in one scene and I'm like, oh, but he's, Damn it. he's so fucking I mean, yeah. good in that scene. Yeah. So good. And I love the guy who does the donuts. Like, oh, oh I just so good. They're everyone like, in the like, show. Like, and it's like he's show. just like experimenting and trying and he yeah. it's just and like and they, he, they eat it off the floor. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Like it's like all because the stress it, you know that he also... recognizes that like. Yeah. Well, there's something good here. And like, yeah, and they have respect for each other, even though they're shitting all over each other. Like, it reminds so me good. of, did you ever read the Anthony Bourdain book, uh, Kitchen Confidential? No. You know, your husband kind of reminds me of Anthony Bourdain too. You know, I'm oh, talking really? about. yeah, yeah. There's a similarity there. <laughs> the look, there's a similarity in the look, but the Anthony Bourdain book, it's the same thing. There's a love of this, like man- this manic shit that happens in the kitchen that bonds people together yeah, and this craziness, but also this love of like creating something that is good and, and, yeah. and like fulfilling and uh, nourishing, but also like tastes amazing. And just, but, but it's like a fight. You're like out yeah, war in but, that kitchen. But, and like, and the thing like for um, Sid, you know, who mm-hmm. is just in awe of, of, you know, um, uh, bear. the bear, you know, her talk when she's talking about how like she spent six months like just like prepping one thing you know or and 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 when he's having those nightmares of like everything's got to be perfect and the chef coming in like it's that that high level intensity like you don't realize it yeah um 
but I, I'm, I can't wait to see like what the oh, new place is. And I can't wait to, I'm excited. Oh, and when they're like, hey, when he opens up that can, I, I, cause I wasn't expecting it. I thought he was just going to like, you know. Yeah. Uh, cause remember the beginning is like, why is he buying the small cans? Like, yeah. 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 You know, and then it circles back to that. And then like, I was not expecting that. Me neither. At all. Me neither. At all. Like I was like, <gasps> it was so good. I cried. I was like crying through the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> like, the so whole good. Show. It's such a great show. And it's such a love letter to the city of Chicago. Like oh. when the cousin was out there yelling at those nerds who were lining up for the, the tournament. Oh. When, if you go back and watch that scene when he's yelling, he has such a thick Chicago accent. It is so fucking insane. It is so good. It was so like right on. It sounded exactly like someone in Chicago. I fucking loved it. I love it. It makes oh. me want to go there and like, yeah. you know. Yeah, I made uh, my son loves Chicago hot dogs ever since I took him last year. And so that night I made him like uh, Chicago dogs where we cut up the tomatoes and everything. And they say it on the show. They call it dragging it through the garden where they just put all the vegetables on it. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you watched it. I think I'm going to watch it again. Oh, I have to. Me too. It's so good. I mean, I love Sydney, but her her passion and her like lack of patience. You know, he's going to teach you how to have patience like, you know. Yeah. What about when she snuck that plate of food to the critic? Yeah. But do you think she knew he was a critic? Yeah, you I think? She yeah. She's just like, oh, I just gave it away. No, no, no. She knew. Oh my God. She's calculated. She's, she's, she's just like him, yeah. but she's just really, really young and impatient, you know? Yeah. And she wants it. Like she, hopefully, I think that might be another maybe dynamic of, of how yeah. they want to run it. But like at the end when they kind of were just running through like how they want to set it up. Oh, beautiful. So beautiful, good. beautiful. All, All right. right. Well, this was fun. Yes. Let's hope the recording sticks. <laughs> That's yes. always now. This is always my fear with Zoom. And I'm so sorry about audio and how it sounds. I'm so like, I can't stand it when we're not recording on mics, but what are we gonna yeah. do? Listen, you love us. Yeah. Tune in next week. We'll be better, <laughs> I promise. I won't yes. sound like this and I won't have COVID, hopefully. Uh. <laughs> All right. See you next week. All right, bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.